There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptised into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honoured, all parts will be glad. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Hi friends, I'm Adrian if you don't know me and it is good to be with you once again, whether live in this moment or in a different moment if you're watching this on demand. And my hope is, as always, that something of what I share now from my home would bring some encouragement to you in yours. And in a few moments, we're gonna look at these amazing verses that have just been read out by different individuals that paint this vivid picture of God's heart and passion and design for all people. Um, but before we get there, I just wanna kind of pause actually and pause around the moment that we're living in. You see, if you've watched the news or if you're around last Sunday, you'll know that we took some time to share and then pray into the racial injustice that's kind of been revealed through George Floyd's murder. And kind of from that point, then this last Wednesday morning, sought to spend some time just praying for racial injustice and praying against it, praying that God would come and break the power of it, both in what we see in the world around us, but also what we don't see. Uh, are recognised in the world around us. But as we've sought to live with this this past week, I've just felt like from God that this is a moment not to rush on. I feel actually within the bigger picture of the crisis that we're living in of COVID-19, of how it's causing us to just pause and do life differently, that I feel like God wanted to use this. Say so rather than just keeping to going back to normal, let's allow ourselves a moment to just see what's going on in the world around and see how God longs to break in and reveal something more of his heart. And so this past week I've just spent time like listening uh, to those who are part of the black, Asian and minority ethnic kind of community who are part of our family within Oasis as well as those who are part of other families outside of Oasis. I've listened and read reports and news reports and spent just time just meditating and contemplating God's heart for all people. As I've done that, I've just felt myself in many moments weeping, repenting, longing to understand more and longing for God to break through, 
longing for God to reveal more of his heart, his passion and his design. Therefore, in this moment, I just want to come and share and speak from a place of humility and frailty. I'm not coming as someone who has all the answers, but rather as someone who, along with others, has been entrusted to shepherd and pastor this amazing family we call Oasis. And in that shepherding and pastoring, I know that what I'm called to do is continuously remind us of who Jesus is and the reality of the life that he affords us. And I promise you that that life has something massive to say in this moment. And it's that that I want us to look at. But with it, I've also asked some others to help me as we do this. And in a few minutes time, we're going to get to hear from some different friends that are part of our family here in Oasis. But to start off with, I just want to remind us of the bigger story that we're now part of. A bigger story that speaks into this moment. A bigger story that's a better story that is revealed through those verses that we heard, just read. Of God's design and plan for the whole of humanity. So you find it in Galatians 3, where we're told that Jesus, through his life, death and resurrection, has now dismantled every wall of hostility. That there's now an equal footing for every human being to come to God through Jesus. That all of us are therefore declared, because of Jesus, equally loved, accepted, valued and delighted in. That is an amazingly good story. It's one that John then goes on to say in 1 John 3, where he proclaims that actually, as a result of what Jesus has done, we are now all called God's children. Like, whatever the color of our skin, we are equally loved, accepted, delighted, valued and given dignity. And that story is to impact who we are. That's stories to impact the world around us. And you see, we, need, we get to know the end of the story as well. We see this bigger, better story of God's heart and passion for all people. It's then revealed in that last passage we heard read by Miranda in Revelation 7, that one day we will find ourselves in this crowd that are beyond number, made up of every tribe and tongue and people group who come collectively together to praise and worship. Jesus. And you see, that bigger, better story is one that we have to hold in tension with the moment that we're living with. You see, given we know that that's God's design and plan and God's promise of the future, we then get to live in tension with this moment where we see how far short society and the world around us falls. Now, to be honest, because I'm white, I don't fully understand the gap that is there between the reality and God's promise. And we have to be those who, if we're white, who have to humble ourselves and listen to those who are part of the BAME community to hear their stories, because it allows us to understand something more of that gap that is there. And as we seek to see that gap, do we get to know that that's unjust? Because it's not what God designed. It's not what God desires. And therefore, we don't just look in. We don't become blind to it. We don't become locked away from it. But rather, we're called to step into it. To stand in the gap between the reality of the world that we see around and the wonder 
of what God's desire and plan and promises. And you see, standing in that gap is what the church was designed to do. See, the church isn't like a club. It's not like some little ghetto that hangs out on the edges. No, the, the church is meant to be a place that reveals the wonder of who God is and the story that he has got for the whole of humanity. See, the church is something that is wonderful and beautiful because it becomes this prophetic statement that proclaims the wonder of who this God is, of unfailing, multicolored love. See, it's through the church that we get to reveal that there are no walls of hostility. They've all been torn down, that we get to know that we all come equally loved and accepted and valued with dignity before God. And therefore we get to know that both in our approach to God, but also our approach to one another. We get to be those that are seeking to continuously welcoming others in. See, there's no wall to Jesus. Just come as you are. Receive him as you are and know the love that we now know. The church is meant to be this statement that steps in the gap and says, hey, this is what God designed. And into the reality and the murkiness and the darkness of it, the church is meant to shine out and show something different. But you see, stepping in the gap takes effort. It's painful. Like, to be honest, just speaking about this today has weighed heavily on me this week. Because it isn't something that's light. It's something that actually causes us to take responsibility of the wonder of what we know. It therefore means that as we step into the gap, it takes effort. It takes effort to allow God to come and examine your and my hearts. Of asking God to come and say, like, examine me and see if there's any prejudice still in my heart. See if there's still some people that I still struggle to see as equal before God or equally accepted. Examine my heart to see where I allow racism to dwell, neither known or unknown. You see, all of us come in with a worldview that we've had built in, and it's allowing God to come and dismantle that in order that we'd understand that we're not meant to live with the worldviews that we've got, but rather with his view, with his kingdom perspective of this better, bigger story. See, that's painful. It means that we come and we say, God, would you come and convict me? God doesn't come to connect, condemn you. He doesn't come to condemn me. You know, he comes to convict us. In order what? In order that we change. In order that we be those that get to that point of repentance, of saying, God, I see the ugliness in my own heart. And I ask God, would you forgive me? And would you renew my mind and my heart in order that I'd see and act differently? And God loves that. Like Roman 12 says that that's like our, our main way of worshipping. is a renewal of our heart, a renewal of our mind. But it's not only that we stand through allowing God to examine our hands, hearts. It's also that we stand in the gap through standing with our family. See, we're told in Corinthians in those verses that were read out that we are a body. The church is deeply connected to one another. That as a church, we are Jesus's body on earth. 
And therefore we are deeply connected and we're all different. Like just as my body is made up of different parts, so the church is made up of different parts. And they're to be celebrated. Our differences are good because they reveal the wonder of who Jesus is. But in it, we're also told that we're to be those then that seek to honour one another and stand with one another in suffering. I believe this moment is a moment where we need to stand with those that are part of the BME, BAME community within Oasis and hear some of their stories in order that we can know that, and they can know that we're standing with them. And so I'm just going to show a video now that just allows us to hear some of the stories within Oasis that allow us to be church together in this moment. Hi, my name is Anthony Noah, and I grew up mostly in the UK. The experience I want to share with you is of when I was 19 years old. Uh, I was in university and I left my flat uh, on Tuesday morning to go to lectures at around 10.30. I walked past a group of boys, uh, white boys, um, and I didn't think anything of it. A few minutes later, I heard their bicycle chains behind me. What followed um, was an assault and a robbery in which I tried to escape and it didn't quite work. As I lay on the floor being kicked in the head, I was waiting for the inevitable stabbing that they'd promised me and then everything stopped. At that point, I thought I may be dead, um, and it took a few minutes to realize that I wasn't. Um, at that point, someone had pulled them off me. Uh, one ran off and the other one uh, was caught by the police. Uh, I was informed at that time that uh, he was a known offender, a known racist. Um, and that was the reason I'd been targeted. Hello, my name is Ayumide Noam, and I'm here to share with you the experience of being black in the UK. I work as a doctor, and on one of my shifts, I was asked to do a blood test on a patient. I walked into the room, and I was greeted with shouts of, get out, we don't want you, black demon. I was surprised and I was upset by this response. I wanted to speak to my senior colleague at the time. He's a white male. I shared with him what had happened and his response was clear. He said that he would not do the bloods and no one would see this lady or do any bloods for her whilst we won't shift. His clear recognition of racism and calling it out for what it was, was exemplary for me. He showed respect and showed care. Hello church family, my name is Deer and I'm going to tell you about my black experience. So, being black, it's been called N-word multiple occasions in your life. It's been told you have AIDS. It's been told you look like that black guy off the television. It's been told that you look like a gorilla from the Cadbury's advert. It's been told that you are a starving African child multiple times. It's been told that you have a nice accent. Where are you from originally, even though I'm from England? Of course, um, 
other things, it's writing a song with a brother uh, of yours and a white people who wrote nothing getting all the credit for it. It is a patient saying, I want someone that can speak proper English, despite you speaking to them in perfect English. It is being told that all doctors can have the name Theo because no one can be bothered to learn other black doctors' names. It is being part of a comedy society as the token black guy so people can crack racist jokes. It is walking two meters behind a stranger and that stranger getting intimidated so they end up running away from you. It's being on lookout for um, you know, a security guard watching you or having a receipt ready because you want to prove that you haven't shoplifted. I mean, these are just some of the experiences I've had as a black person growing up in Britain. Um, there are so many more, um, but I just thought it'd be t time for me to show you some awareness and give you some awareness of those issues. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jacqueline, and I'll be speaking to us today very briefly about my experience of being a person of colour living in the UK. Um, I'd like to say thanks to Adrian for asking me to share and adding a caveat to say the experiences I'm tapping into this morning are not specific to Oasis. Um, they're more generic to the country. I felt nothing but welcome at church. Um, on a personal level, I think what I wouldn't say I've experienced overt racism in any way, shape or form. I mean, there might be institutional factors embedded into the fabric of the society that might limit, for example, the social mobility of people of colour. But what is more common or what I think is prevalent is people are tend to be um, prejudiced. And this might not be due to any fault of theirs. It might just be to the exposure or what they've consumed via the media. And I'd only say, you know, if you can just try to get to know people on an individual basis you know because and it helps so that way you don't pigeonhole them or um and it helps to you know scale back some of the stereotyping which which we're all sort of prone to doing on on a daily basis but um yeah hope that helps when i was asked to speak uh, i was humble but a little nervous and almost apologetic that I had something to say. As a British Asian, I think it's right um, with the recent events and the tragic death of George Floyd that we focus on institutional racism against black Afro-Caribbeans in America and throughout the world. And I stand with them. But the thing with racism is it's a wildfire. It spreads. It's not localized. Once it consumes an area, it moves on. And racism isn't a localised problem, it's a global problem, and it's our problem. But as a British Asian, um, I could share with you some of my experiences of racism. Some of it's ignorant, where people have asked me my name, and they've... I've told them it's Roderick, and then they ask me, but what is your real Indian name? Or some, some people can't understand how I could be a Christian and Indian, even in this day and age or some of it's been overt or subtle where I don't feel comfortable or being looked at or not being served in a bar or a restaurant, or some of it's been overtly uh, racist uh, where people have racially abused or heckled me. Uh, and so I'm encouraged by all the protests throughout the world, black, white and Asian standing together against racism. 
And I'm thankful for our church and how we can be open about difficult topics and stand together. Man, I don't know about you. It's just hard hearing, isn't it? Because um, it's our family, and that's the point. This isn't like doing something to seem politically correct or um, to make a point. This is us being church. And I want to apologize uh, to those who are part of the BAME community where we've not stood properly as we should have done. And um, we want to build a church like this where we stand with one another in suffering. And I hope that we can learn through this. You see, stepping in the gap means that we stand with one another. It also means that we commit to build the church as Jesus wants it built. It means that we give ourselves understanding that we're going to build a family and a body that is multicolored in order that reveals the multicolored nature of God's love. It means that we're going to seek to honor and stand with one another. See, one of the things I found humbling is that I spoke to all of my different individuals and friends who've just shared, and it is amazing that they were willing to speak out, is that all of them said it'd just be an honor to share. And I thought, but it's not an honor. It just should be normal. It shouldn't make you feel honored to be asked to share. And it kind of broke me because I thought, no, no, I just want this to be normal. So therefore, we want to stand with and like celebrate each other. But also we want to be those who seek to reach out and tear down any other wall of hostility in order that everyone gets to know they're welcome. Gets to know this amazing big story we're part of. But it's not only that we step in the gap by committing to build the kind of church that Jesus' body is meant to reveal. It's also that we step in the gap to plant. To plant the wonder of Jesus' rule and reign into the world around us through the way we live, through the actions we take, through the prayers that we pray. You see, we're those who get to fill this earth with the life of heaven. That's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, when we say black lives matter, it's that. It's God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. When we say we're seeking to be anti-racist, it is that. It's that we're saying, God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, I want to ask you, friends, would you join me? Would you join me in listening? In listening to those who are part of the BAME community and seeking to understand something more of the gap that's there that will fuel us in planting the wonder of this kingdom. Will you join me in acting, in being those who seek to live differently, in being those who seek to act differently? See, I think now is the moment where we need to start using our voices, speaking up. We need to be those who start typing out emails, writing letters to those in authority and saying, no, this isn't how it's meant to be. Why? Because we're the bunch of people who are here to plant in the kingdom that is to come into the now. And then let's be those that seek to pray 
And prayer isn't for the weak, prayer is for the strong, as we realize that we have a God who is able. And therefore this small, vulnerable group of people that are called Oasis are able to call on the God of the universe and say, God, would you come and act? Because what we see is a gap. And we want to see your kingdom rule and reign established on this earth. So would you come and unturn, upturn injustice in order that your justice will reign and flow like rivers? Therefore, to end this moment, I just want to pray for us. And I wonder if you join me in praying. And I wonder where you are, whether you want to close your eyes and just... I've written a prayer, actually. I don't normally do this, but I felt like I just need to write it down in order to get something out. So I wonder if I could lead us in praying. I'm just going to read it out. So just with your eyes closed. God, we come and we see and hear the cries of our black, Asian and minority ethnic brothers and sisters and say, we are broken. We know this is not your heart. We understand that your heart is that all would know they are equally loved, valued and accepted by you. Father, we come and ask for you to examine our hearts and to reveal prejudice and racism that was hidden or known to us. And as you reveal it, we repent and say we want rid of it and want your extravagant heart of love to be the way we see and act towards others. And Jesus, we say, your will, not ours. Oasis is your church. We submit ourselves to your building. We long for you to build within us and through us a church that reflects your multicolored love. So Father, Son and Spirit, we come and we look at the world around us and we say, enough. And we ask that you would come and break, rend the heavens and fill this earth with your rule and reign. Would we, we ask, God, that you would come and cause your will to be known through this city, through this nation and nations. We ask this, Jesus. For your glory. Amen.